that gripping tone of like final words. Like if somebody came to you tonight and told you you've only got 48 hours remaining in this world, uh, maybe you knew you've got two weeks left. Who would you reach out to and what would you say? Think about that for just a moment, if you would. Let that sink in. If you knew your days were numbered, I've got a week to live in this world. Who would I reach out to? What would I say? And, and when you can sense that in your heart tonight, that, that's the feeling of this letter. It's Paul with like his final words, reaching out to somebody who he considered a son. We'll talk about that tomorrow. He considered a son, and he's reaching out, not with, you know, he's writing to a pastor, but he's not like telling him, you know, like things that, you know, there's some things pastors need to know. Always wear a tie on Sundays. Um, make sure the church marquee on the sign. Change the message out there. Make sure you get to church an hour early to set the thermostat. You know, all those, make sure the bulletin's done on Friday. Oh, you know, all those important things pastors are supposed to know, right? He doesn't talk about any of that stuff. Doesn't worry about the hymnal, no steeples, no stained glass. He just like tells Timothy, this is, this is heart to heart. This is like, I got a few days left. Listen closely. This is what matters. Reaches out from his heart to Timothy's heart. This is what matters. So I, I take that to heart tonight because I don't know about you all. I want to be about what matters. Amen. I want to be about what matters. I don't know how much time you and I have in this world, but I know this. We don't have any time to waste, do we? We don't have time for pettiness. We don't have time for deadness. We don't have time for going through the motions. We, we don't even have time to just have camp meeting to just do it. You know, if, if we're going to gather for this week, if we're going to invest a week of our lives, if we're going to invest nine or ten days here together in, in this camp, it, it better matter. <laughs> it better matter. And, and as, I, as I shared in the Bible study this afternoon, I hope, I hope you're okay with me saying this, if, if there's not something that God can do among us this ten days that makes a difference in us when we go back, it's not worth anything. It's great to fellowship. It's great to see each other. I appreciate, we're thankful for all that, but we've got to have God make a difference in our lives in these days. And that's the feeling of this letter. I I invite your attention tonight to verse 6. Verse 6 is really, I consider it kind of the theme uh, verse of the whole letter. It's kind of like if you could, uh, you know, Cliff's Notes. Did anybody use Cliff's Notes? Remember, anybody in high school used Cliff's Notes? You don't want to admit it? Okay, so anyway, there's some of us that, you know, you weren't supposed to do it this way, but some of us in high school, you know, you're supposed to do a book report. Teenagers, cover your ears. You're supposed to do a, you know, a book report, and they had this little thing called Cliff's Notes. It was the summary of the whole book, you know, kind of thing. And some of us, before we were Christians, hopefully, we, uh, we, uh, we write Cliff's Notes instead of reading the book to get the summary. Well, in my estimation, verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 1 is kind of like the the Cliff's Notes is the best summary you can give of the message of the letter. I'm going to begin up at verse 3 and, and go down to verse 6. He says, um, I thank God whom I serve, serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, 
which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, verse 6 now, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So that, that word there in verse 6, um, I remind you, that, that's... What, what, what this letter is really doing for Timothy, and remember his, his situation, he's, he's in a church, he's a pastor. You guys know pastors are busy, right? Everybody, everybody knows pastors don't just work one day a week, right? Everybody knows that, right? Uh, a number of years ago, I heard a statistic. I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard it. It was a number of years ago that pastors are the second highest health risk profession. You know, in other words, people have health issues. Pastors are number two on the list. Number one is lawyers because everybody wants to kill them. But I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, that's my theory. So pastors are busy. Timothy's busy. He's young. He's got all these issues going on. Do you ever get busy and forget stuff? Do you ever get busy and get so busy that you forget what matters? Do you ever get so busy sometimes you lose sight of the forest for the sake of being stuck in the trees. Like I'm going and going and going, and then all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, what am I doing? I feel like I'm on a treadmill kind of a thing. And there's a sense in which Timothy was so overwhelmed that from, from a spiritual dad, and I need this, from a spiritual dad, he just needed a, a reminder. That's, that's why Paul says a couple things here um, in verse 6. Number one, he says, um, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why, why does Paul mention this laying on of hands? Has anybody ever seen a, uh, an ordination service before? You ever seen an ordination service? Um, I don't know if they do it, but in our denomination, we, we, you know, ordination service and the elders of the church come around and they lay hands on, on the person being ordained. You've seen, yours does that too, you've seen that. You, you know the purpose of that? The purpose of that is that nobody is alone in the body of Christ. Amen? Nobody's alone. Did you know tonight that in this body, we're not alone. We are in this together, in the body of Christ. And, and part of the reason that we lay hands on in ordination is that that person knows, listen, your calling is not yours, it's, it's, it's from God. And, and we want you to remember who you belong to, because there are going to be days where you need to remember who you belong to. You need to remember whose you are. And we are here. The reason we're laying our hands on you is because there is going to come a day when we're going to need to come alongside you and remind you. <laughs> okay? Remind you. Remember, we, we, we were there. God's called you. You're not alone in this. God has called you, and we are in this together, right? So it's really important for us to know in the body of Christ we're not alone. That's what's what Paul's reminding Timothy again. It's Timothy, remember whose you are. I was there. I was there the day you were called. I was there when we laid hands on you. You're God's. You belong to him, and I'm here, I'm here to help you remember that. The second way he does it is obviously the word remind there in verse 6. If you have it, He says, I remind you. I love this word remind there because of its grammar. In, in, that, in that verse, the word remind there is in the present tense in Greek. What I like about that is in Greek when something's in the present tense, that means one of two things or both. It means either that it's happening right now or it's happening in an ongoing way. And I really like that. Because what that's saying is, I'm reminding you in an ongoing way. It's like Paul saying, Timothy, I'm here to 
remind you and remind you. And did anybody have a mom when you were growing up that liked to remind you of things? Anybody have that? Okay, let me ask this. How many of you here tonight are the mom that reminds your kids of things? Okay, there we go. Okay. No, you say another go. It's the repeating and repeating. And Paul is here to say to Timothy, Timothy, I'm here to repeat this as long as I need to. I'm here to repeat this over and over and over and over again tonight. Why? Because Timothy needed a reminder. Do you? You ever need a reminder of what's true? I tell you tonight, everybody, we get so busy with church. We, get, we can get so busy with Christianity. Maybe sometimes tonight, maybe what, what's helpful about camp meeting is that we kind of come out here for 10 days and we get away from a lot of stuff, right? Right? Do we need to, like, make a cell phone stack here too tonight somewhere, right? Pile up our cell phone somewhere, right? We get away from life. And maybe one of the best things about camp meeting is we get away from some of the distractions of life so we can come here this week and be reminded about what matters. And that, that was, to, it's not bad, right? Is, is Timothy, is he backslidden because he needs a reminder? No. Did he do something wrong? No. Is, is he a bad person? No. Is who we question is called a ministry? No. It's just that sometimes as human beings, we get distracted. Anybody get distracted? I get distracted. Sometimes we need a reminder tonight. So here's the question. If Paul wanted to give Timothy this reminder what, what is the reminder? What is the reminder? I propose to you tonight from verses 5 and 6 that the big deal, the big deal of what he wants to remind them of is that what we're talking about in the Christian life is something internal. The Christian life is not simply an external. We're, we're going to be dealing with this in, in uh, Pastor Dan's study in James in the mornings. I hope you can come at 10 o'clock. James deals a lot with the external of Christianity, but James would say it's, it comes from what's inside. See, if Christian life is only what's on the external, then, then we're no different than any, any other religion. See, the Christian life is about something internal that expresses itself externally. If you don't have the internal, you don't have anything. We can try to do the external all day long, but we'll fail. It's about something internal. Look at verse 5 and 6. Look how he repeats. There's a word that he repeats a lot. Speaking of repetition, we, we look for repetition in uh, Bible study oftentimes. If we see a word that's repeated a lot, we know that's important. Besides the, obviously it's going to be there a lot. But the, the word, I want you to notice how many times the word in, in is repeated in verses 5 and 6, if you would. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and, I, um, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Hear the word in? And then verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is where? In you. Do you hear that? It's all about the in. See, again, the New Testament message it's not about just external. That, obviously, the old covenant, live according to the law, that was all there. But now the new covenant, the New Testament, is all about, listen, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, has come to live where? In us, everybody. And the Christian life is no longer about do your best. That's a relief, isn't it? 
It's no longer about you need to do better and listen, get with it and come on, try harder and come on, you got this. It's not about that anymore. The real message of the Christianity is I can't. I can't do this. Anybody with me tonight? I can't do this. I cannot be what I need to be. I cannot make myself what I need to be. But the good news tonight is that he has come to live where? In me. And he begins to make a difference inside of me that then changes me outwardly. So the message of of even 2 Timothy is, Timothy, remember, it's not about what you do, son. Remember, Timothy, if I'm going to remind you of anything in my last breaths, I'm going to say, Timothy, remember that he is in you. He is in you. Look at verse 14, he repeats that. He says, Timothy, in verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit, who what? Who dwells in you. You hear that? It's about the indwelling presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Come on, Timothy, don't forget in all your busyness. Don't forget with all your duties, Timothy. Don't forget with all the pastoral stuff, Timothy. Don't lose sight of the fact that he is in you. And the great part about that is, you know, he's, I love what Brian's saying tonight. I want to know, he, listen, he, he's not a thing. He's not the force will be with you, right? He's a person that's come to live in us, right? Person. And the great part about it is, look what follows verse 6. When he's in you, this is wonderful. This is so wonderful, you, you can't hardly sit still. He will produce the fruit out of your life. Isn't it great tonight that we don't have to produce the fruit? I don't have to make myself be better. I don't have to improve myself. I don't have to be, this is such a relief, I I can't hardly explain it to you. I don't even have to be successful in ministry because it's not my thing. I don't have to be successful this week. I don't have to be successful at my church where I live. I don't have to be successful in anything. It's his fruit. He does it. Look, right after verse 6 where he talks about what's in you, look at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's all stuff Jesus does. If you'll just focus on him and let him live in you, and you'll respond to him, he's going to be the one who naturally produces all the fruit. So I say this to you tonight, church church family, for this week. We, We really need to get back to that, don't we? Listen, with his, with his last words, as far as he knew, he didn't know if he was ever going to see Timothy again or not. He had no idea. So he said, listen, I'm going to lay it all on the line of what matters. And Timothy, I say, you and I, Timothy, we've got to come back to this one thing. We want to make, he, he makes this the foundation and the priority of his whole letter. Timothy, please hear this loud and clear. We need to focus on what's in us. And I, I say this to you tonight, everybody. Again, if we miss that, we miss Christianity. This indwelling life of Jesus, the indwelling life of Christ, this is the whole deal of the Christian life. I like to call it, my my phrase is, uh, my word I like to use is a linchpin. It's the linchpin of the case. If you miss this, the whole thing falls apart. Like in a legal case, the linchpin is, oh, if 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 we don't have this piece of evidence, the whole thing falls apart. My understanding mechanically is that a linchpin is like a pin that you put on the end of like a, an axle or something like that. And if you don't have the pin, the wheels fall off. I say to you tonight, if we don't understand that the Christian life is Jesus lives in us and it's him doing this through us, the whole thing falls apart. We have to. We have to get back to that simple idea as Christians. 
I love the prayer of Major Ian Thomas. Major Ian Thomas' book, The Indwelling Life of Christ. He says, here's, here's the prayer. You ready for this? Jesus, I can't. You never said I could. But you can and always said you would. And that's all I need to know. The indwelling life of Christ. Timothy, we've got to get back to that idea. I want to remind you and remind you and remind you. When you're going to sleep at night, remember he's in you. When you're walking down the road, remember he's in you. When you go to Walmart, remember he's in you. When you're eating lunch, remember he's in you. Wherever you are, remember he's in you and depend on him. Now Paul feels so strongly about that, so strongly about that idea that that's what we need to be reminded of. Notice that he talks about this in almost gift language. Gift language. Look at how he says, in, look, uh, in verse 5, for instance, or verse 6, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. He's talking about this, this presence, the indwelling life of Christ as a, as a gift, as something that is, that is absolutely precious. As a matter of fact, even in verse 7, he, he continues with the, give, the gift or the giving language. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It is all that it is a, it is, it is a gift. So he talks about this, 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 this gift. So somebody asks, so, some people ask often, like, so, so John, what's the gift? Is, is Paul saying, like in all Paul's writings, is the gift um, his presence in you, or is the gift what he does through you? You know, like the gifts of the Spirit, like ministry and all the gifts of the Spirit. So what's the gift? Is the gift the ministry, or is the gift his presence? The answer is yes. Yes. It's his presence in you, and it's what he is doing through you. Paul, matter of fact, Paul speaks about this whole thing, that he's in you. He speaks about it like it's a, like it's a treasure, like it's something to be cherished. Look in verse 5. He almost talks about it like an inheritance, right? When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, it was first in your grandmother Lois, and it was in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. He talks about it. It's almost like an inheritance that's being handed out. It, it, it is something so precious. It is something so treasured. It is something so valuable. Over in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, The things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach us also. Hey, it's, a, it's like a treasure. It's like an inheritance that's handed down. This, this whole idea of Jesus is in you tonight. You've got his presence. You just don't know him from afar. He's not just a long-distance God tonight. He's not just somebody out in the sky somewhere. He's somebody that has come to live in you, Timothy. He's with you every hour, every second of the day. I love how Paul talks about this whole thing in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. You know this verse probably. He says, but we have this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be a God and not of us. You hear what he says? You've got Jesus in you. His presence is in you. And that is your treasure. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. What do, you, what do you treasure tonight? You got, you got anything in your life that you treasure? You got anything in your life? Now, probably the right way to do this tonight would be like to ask our family members who are present. Like, uh, 
So if you get together with my family and you would ask them, hey, what does John really treasure? You know, what is it that he's really careful about? You know how that is when you treasure something and then, like, you don't want anybody to touch it? You got anything like that? I know guys who get, like, a brand new truck or something like that, and then they park way out in the back at Walmart parking lot, right? I want to park way away so nothing happens to my baby, right, or whatever. Or you have this, you know, some possession. I, my family would constantly kind of ridicule me and make fun because, you know, a number of years ago I got a leather jacket for the first time, first time in my life I ever had a, a leather jacket that somebody gave to me. And I, I have to admit I was a little careful with it, right? Hang it, lay it nicely and all that stuff. My family's constantly ridiculing me. Nobody can touch Dad's leather jacket, right? Anything like that in your life tonight? When, when in your life, what, what, what possession or what relationship or... It's okay to say, it's okay to talk, like, honestly, right? I can't. Sometimes in churches, we treasure stuff in churches. You know what I mean? Boy, I found that out the hard way sometimes as a pastor. I mean, sometimes people treasure a certain kind of music, and you better never touch it, right? Sometimes, I was at a church one time, People treasured furniture, right? You better never touch that communion table or that pulpit. You better leave it right there until we're all dead, right? (laughs) We treasure that. Don't touch it. You know what I mean? You probably never, this kind of outland, you probably never heard of this kind of stuff, right? But in churches, we, we, you know what I'm talking about tonight. We treasure stuff. We in our personal lives, it's like, oh, don't touch that. I don't want anything to happen to it. That's really important to me. I don't want it to be messed up, right? We really treasure stuff. Wouldn't it be something to be like that with Jesus, my relationship with him? Let the truck get scratched. Let the leather jacket get wrinkled. Let my cell phone get cracked. Move the communion table, whatever. Change the music, I don't care. Whatever you want is fine with me. But listen, my relationship with him, I don't want anything to mess that up. Please, Lord, don't let anything, if there's anything in my life tonight that interferes with this, you're my treasure within. I have you within. God, please don't let me get so caught up in anything, including preaching, that it messes up my relationship with you. Please don't let anything. My friend Bill Urey, um, Dr. Bill Urey, he, when he was younger, he said, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw said to him a phrase that he never forgot, and I've kind of adopted it in my life. Pay any price to keep his touch on your life. Pay any price. Give up anything to keep his touch on your life. Treasure. So how do we do that? Jesus, how do I treasure you tonight? How do I... How do I, how do I, Jesus, not let anything else, how do I do what Paul is saying to Timothy and to to treasure, to to remember what matters, that nothing else matters except you tonight? How how do I do that? Well, I love the the language in 
2 Timothy 1.6. He says, I remind you, over and over and over, this really matters, okay? Timothy, come on, don't get caught up in stuff. Don't get caught up in church. Don't get caught up in preaching. Don't get caught up in which tie you wear. Don't get caught up. Remember he's in you. Keep, pay any price to keep his touch on your life, the relationship with him. So Timothy, I remind you to, to stir up the gift of God. Now that, that's a fascinating phrase when it says stir up the gift of God. You may have a different translation tonight. This is a New King James, what I use uh, often. And, uh, but the original language in the Greek, the picture in that phrase, the picture of the verb is actually a picture of of tending to a fire. The actual word has to do with fire. And maybe your translation says something like fan. Anybody have a translation that says fan into flame? That's a good translation. Because in the Greek, the word the wording actually refers to a fire. And so this, this thing that Paul's calling Timothy to, to, to give attention to the relationship, pay any price to keep his touch, focus on the relationship, he's in you, all that stuff, the wording has to do with, with giving attention to a fire. And what's more is the verb is in the present tense. Anybody remember what the present tense means? It's happening either right now or what? In an ongoing way. So this is the idea of you're going to have to give attention to this constantly because that's, that's what you do when you, when, when you have a fire, right? You've got to tend to it. Anybody here like to burn, anybody burn wood fires during wintertime here? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. We love that. Wintertime at our house, you know, we had got trees coming down all the time. We chop it up, and then we love burning wood fires. But the only thing about it, I love it. It gets you so warm. It's so nice. The only thing about a wood fire is you've got to constantly stay attentive to it, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't just get it started and then go off and have dinner for three hours and play a board game and expect to come back and see it going, right? You gotta, anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to constantly watch that thing, you know? You gotta poke it sometimes. You gotta put another log on. Lighter fluid often helps. Anyway, whatever. You just gotta. You just gotta. You gotta constantly. It's like It's like a baby. It's like taking care of a baby. You gotta constantly watch. It's, or else it's gonna go out. Same thing with the bonfire, right? Do they do a bonfire here? Sure. Okay. Same thing with bonfire. You you do a bonfire outside, and oh, let's go off and do games for three hours. Come back. What? What happened to our fire? Right. You gotta constantly be attentive. To the fire. Amen? I'm not a big reality TV show guy. With one exception. And it's not really reality. I guess it is. Anybody ever watch... uh, uh, It's not really on that much anymore. It's called Survivor Man. Anybody ever watch Survivor Man with with Lester? It's kind of like Bear Grylls. Anybody watch Bear Grylls? So Survivor Man is kind of like Bear Grylls. So this crazy guy, he's Canadian, so that explains it. So this guy, uh, Les, Les uh, Stroud, he goes out there in like some remote location for a week. You ever seen this, Brian? All right, he goes out in some remote location for a week. Arctic, deserted island, desert, boreal forest, whatever. He goes in this remote location. They, I'm not kidding you. They drop him off by himself. It's him by himself with, like, his pocket knife or whatever and his camera to record himself for a week alone surviving. So thus the title, Survivor Man. So in every, in every place he goes, 
Um, there's usually a few common things like survival tips, like he teaches you as he's doing it. It's crazy. It's amazing. So anyway, and there's a few things always. Like number one, he always builds a shelter. That's like one of the first things he does. Number two, he usually finds water, like a water source. That's important. But almost always, one of the main things he does is one of the first things he does when he gets to a new place is, guess what? Builds a fire. You know why? It's important. You can boil your water for safe drinking water. You can cook. You can stay warm. It also fends off wild animals, right? That fire is critical to his survival. So whenever less, one of my favorite parts of the show is when he gets the fire going. Because a lot of, you know, he doesn't have anything. He's doing the old, you know, Boy Scout thing, you know, you know, bow, whatever. He's getting the fire going. And then when he finally gets it going, it's like, whoo, he's so relieved, right? He's so happy. He often, like, laughs to himself because that fire is going to be so important. He's cold. He's wet. He's going to be able to cook something. He's going to be able to boil water, whatever. So that fire is critical to his survival. So from that point on, you know what his constant attitude towards that fire is? I'm watching it all the time. When he goes to sleep at night, you know what his first thought is? How's the fire? Wakes up in the middle of the night, has to go to the bathroom or whatever. How's the fire? First thought in the morning? How's the fire? You see this coming, don't you? Can I ask you tonight? How's the fire? In your heart. It would be easy to say, I'm at camp meeting. It's good. Be easy to say, I attend church every Sunday. It's good. Be easy to say, I read my Bible this often. That's good. Be easy to say, I gave $50,000 for the sewer. That's really good. But the question tonight is, everybody, not that. Relationship? Did you hear what Brian sang tonight? Remember what he said? Oh, what? I want to know you more. I'm going to ask Grace to come and help me at the end here. Do you realize tonight, everybody, that just as less, the reason he had to keep an eye on that is that it was critical for survival? Do you, do you realize tonight this, what we're talking about tonight is not this option. What we're talking about tonight in relationship and, and what Paul was saying to Timothy, just, Timothy, come on, Timothy, you've got to come back to this simple main thing. The relationship, the relationship, not what you do, Timothy. We can talk all day long about what you do and your activities, but Timothy, don't lose sight of the fire. It's critical to your survival, Timothy. It's critical to the church, our survival as a church. Listen, we, I love casting crowns. We were made to thrive, amen? But church tonight, if we're going to thrive, and, it, and if this camp, we're going to thrive, and if we're going to have God's moving, we've got to come back to what matters, and that's the relationship. I want to know you more. 
God, I don't want anything to, to, to stand in the way. I don't want anything to distract me from that, Jesus. Would, would you please, Jesus, would, would you be so gracious to me tonight to show me and expose, reveal, is there anything in my life that I've become distracted by? Is there anything in my life that, that's become really important to me that I guard, that I, that I fight for besides you? Is there anything in my life tonight, Lord, that, that I get caught up in it instead of you? Because I want to come back to what matters tonight. I, I, I want to hear the words tonight of a dying man. <laughs> I want to hear the words tonight of a, of a dying man who, who, who said, with my final breath, I tell you, this is what matters. This is, this is our survival. Come back. Come back. Come back to the relationship pay any price to keep his touch on your life. How's the fire tonight? And maybe we're here tonight and we say, maybe it's gone down a little bit. Is, let me ask you, is it okay tonight to get a reminder? Isn't God gracious to us, church? <laughs> Doesn't he love us tonight? Not here to beat us up. Not here to whip us into shape but tonight to call us back to what really matters. I invite you on the first night of this camp. Maybe tonight you'd like to join me in gathering around the fire, so to speak, around him at his feet and say, Jesus, I just want the fire in my heart. I want the fire to burn bright. Your presence, your life, your, your presence, your, who you are. I want to respond to you with all my heart. I want to be totally available. I want to have a soul, as a, I want to have a soul on fire. <laughs> No lukewarmness in me, Jesus. No just going through. No just being here at camp. No just putting another day. I want a soul on fire. I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. I would give my final breath, as Brian sang, to know you in your death and your resurrection. Oh, I want to know you more. If that's you tonight, the altar's open. His arms are open for any of us like me tonight that needs a reminder. Come on, Timothy. Let's get back to what matters. Would you join us in some moments of prayer tonight? Our altar's open. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We all need a reminder, church. That's why we have camp. That's why we have revival. We all need a pull. We need to remind each other. So tonight... Jesus, rekindle us, rekindle the fire, you and you alone. Would you join us, please, tonight? Would you join us, whether it's here room at the altar, or would you find a way to respond to him tonight? Maybe it's an uplifted hand, or maybe it's a standing where you are, kneeling where you are. Our altar's here. If you can't kneel, maybe you could come and sit on a front pew. It's worth it, Jesus. I want to pay any price to keep your touch in and on my life. Love you tonight. Let's respond to him together, church.